This is the People's Podcast with Anthony Zambito and Sean Sobon. A fresh perspective on Canadian politics. Hello, fellow Canadians and patriots. We are back with the People's Podcast, and this is our first podcast post-election. Today is September 24th. Joining me today is Anthony Zambito and Peter Terrace from Niagara Falls. Peter was the PPC candidate in Niagara Falls riding. So, Anthony, uh, welcome to the show. And, Peter, thank you for joining us today. Uh, welcome to you as well. Thank you, Sean, for having us, and thank you for uh, hosting this show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Anthony, go ahead, man. Um, as per usual, it is a pleasure to be here, and I'm really looking forward to today's podcast. Yeah, so there's there's lots to, to talk about. Obviously, the election happened. I think uh, it's very clear from anybody that looked at the polls that, you know, the only party that did well in this election was the PPC, uh, greatly increased the support nationally. Uh, everything else pretty much has stayed the same. So, um, you know, looking to the future, there could be another election in the next 18 months, as uh, Trudeau had alluded to, if he didn't get a majority. Um, so I guess first, uh, Peter, um, why don't you, before we get into our discussion, why don't you give us a bit of a background story on yourself and how you got involved in becoming a candidate for the PPC in Niagara Falls? So yeah, I wasn't really looking to become a candidate. Um, I was just looking to be left alone. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be left alone. My government was was not listening. They didn't want to leave me alone. Uh, they kept intruding more and more into my life until the point where it just I couldn't take it anymore. And I thought, what am I going to do? Um, you know, I started looking at different options. I looked at because I've always been a conservative. I've always been involved with the Conservative Party. And I had one uh, interview with the Ontario PCs, and I knew that that wasn't going to work. So I told them, listen, I think these lockdowns are a disaster. I think the mask mandates have to end right now, immediately, not in two weeks. We know where this is, has taken us. Uh, so I knew that wasn't going to work. So I thought, well, I got to go with the PPC because they're the only ones who are who are fighting for for uh, what is true and right and just. So I, I decided to go with them, and you know what, I did. Very good. I, th- I think your story is very similar to a lot of uh, people who voted PPC and to a lot of the candidates that decided to throw their hat in the ring and step up for for our rights and freedoms. And you know, as much as you know, there were numerous topics on the table at. at you know, debates across the country, um, COVID-19 policy, um, and, and you know, our freedoms were, were at the very foundation of the debates. And, you know, Ezra Levant from, from Rebel News recently described, um, you know, PPC voters and candidates as, I think his words were policy nerds and, and principal people, right? So voting based on their principles and voting based on, on policy. And, um, you know, he kind of said that, you know, if you go to a liberal rally, um, you can ask somebody why they're there and a large majority of them won't really be able to give you a good answer. They won't know about, you know, much about what's going on. Uh, and if you go to a PPC rally, he said, be prepared for at least a half hour discussion on policy and everything else too, because I think, you know, from everybody I've spoken to that's that, that voted PPC, um, very well-informed voters, um, very much, um, carrying the same views as youth. You know, we don't want the government infringing upon our personal lives and our autonomy to make decisions for our own lives. And, um, 
you know, unfortunately, the mainstream media was was really um, trying to ignore the PPC. And, you know, that purple wave grew enough that they couldn't really ignore them, although they tried. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just one of those things that uh, that, you know, we uh, we grew our we grew our uh, participation voting PPC. I think it was three times what we did in the last election, which is which is a huge success, although we didn't gain any seats. Um, we're only going to grow and um, go from there. So, Peter, throughout this election, um, you know, not really planning on running and, and becoming a candidate, there must have been a steep learning curve for you, especially because there was there wasn't really a lot of lead time um, going up into the election. So, what was your experience like? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess the first thing to say is like that's quite a compliment coming from Ezra Levant that we you know that we're really involved in policy and that's absolutely true i think our party and the people who back our party really see what's going on they they are have their ear very close to the ground because these are all people who have either been you know uh they were policy policy freaks in the liberal conservatives ndp and they continued that and they really, really uh, all, a lot of our supporters um really like you said they they really knew the policy and so in terms of my experience um you know when when the writ dropped yeah we we were basically organized chaos. Uh, you know, we didn't we didn't get as or job and it needed to be done. They were the ones to do it. So it, it didn't work. It wasn't perfect. Uh, but you know what? Everyone had their was really had their heart into it, and that was the one thing that I noticed about our supporters. We were way more supporters, so I think that's why we got this sense that we had a lot more support than we actually did, is because our supporters were just so um, so energetic and they were really passionate, and so it really gave us that sense that we have oh we maybe have twenty or thirty percent of the the popular support, but it just wasn't there. Um, you know, I think some people also backed out at the last minute, ended up voting conservative or liberal because they just didn't want to so-called waste their vote. So that sort of uh, narrative, spinning that narrative was very effective by the conservatives and liberals. And so that, you know, hopefully going forward that people will see that it's not a wasted vote because we have to, we are changing the direction of the country. We got 5% of the vote, we didn't get a single seat, but we're still going to change the direction. We're gonna still drive the narrative of truth and freedom rather than going along saying that you just have to comply with the government and there's really no choice. No, we, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna stand up and say, no, we have to stand by our constitution. We have to stand by the charter of rights and freedoms because if we ignore that, and we and as politicians who are ignoring it now, they're basically saying that Canada is dead because the essence of Canada is its people, is its geography, but it's also the underlying principles that define our country and that's the charter. So the fact that there, our politicians are ignoring it puts us in a very dangerous spot. And that's one thing that I heard a lot from our supporters too, is that they realize that. They realize that politicians who ignore our our founding constitution are, are ignoring our charter makes it a very much more dangerous country. And you know what, it's true. And we're not more united, certainly, as a country. We're not more hopeful as a country. We're not more prosperous as a country. So what has this leadership gotten us? It's, it's basically brought us to the point where we're more divided, more less hopeful, and we're going to have a country that uh, we got to turn around, really, because it's 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 dangerous if we don't respect the, the charter. 
Yeah, a lot, a lot of good points there, Peter. Unfortunately, it was a little bit garbled at the beginning. That's just due to, you know, internet connections and whatnot. But uh, I got the essence of everything that you were saying. And, you know, you're right. The liberals and the conservatives, they kind of use that strategy to, to kind of scare people into voting for themselves, trying to say that, you know, you're going to be wasting your vote. And, um, you know, even, even in the Toronto Sun, which is uh, generally a conservative paper, had put a big cover up saying, you know, a, a, um, a vote for Bernier was a vote for Trudeau, which which, you know, I think anybody who voted for PPC did not believe that at all. And that, that certainly wasn't the case. I think that, um, actually, my question to you, Peter, would be, and Anthony, you can chime in on this as well. Um, do you think that in the next election, seeing how much the support for the PPC grew, do you think that the ones who've kind of voted out of fear of splitting their vote or splitting the vote, um, will think twice about doing that in the next election and maybe come over and actually vote based on their principles? Um, I hope so. Um, a lot of people made their vote out of fear. I found, like, I, I told everybody, regardless of whether or not you're my supporter, uh, regardless of what you thought about, uh, about the election in general, vote your conscience. There is no such thing as a wasted vote in Canada. A lot of people think that if uh, your vote doesn't lead to your candidate winning your riding. It was wasted. But the reality is the party that you vote for is going to receive some money back from the government based on the percentage of votes they get uh, from the popular vote. And, you know, if you want to really support your party, you ought to vote your conscience. I'm, you know, last election or this election, rather, I, I really tried to, to chime that in. Um, because there's so many people who compromise their morals and voted for a party that they don't believe in uh, to do quote unquote strategic voting, to vote against a candidate or to vote against a party that they didn't like. We've been doing that in Canada for as long as I can remember. And it has always led to elitist corporate politicians taking office. The only way we're ever going to break out of that cycle is if you vote your conscience. And I think that a lot of people's conscience led them to the PPC. Uh, I think that it, that support is only going to grow as the economy, like I can't see the economy getting better under Trudeau now. I can't see the conservatives standing up against lockdowns and the Vax passports. As Canada declines economically, politically, and culturally, I think that more people's conscience will lead them to the PPC and will be able to secure those votes. Thanks, Anthony. And, and Peter, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I mean, I think that defies common sense when somebody says a vote for Trudeau is a vote for, or a vote for Bernier is a vote for Trudeau. I mean, it, it's, a, it's, it's self-contradictory in its nature. I mean, a vote for Bernier is a vote for Bernier, a vote for Trudeau is a vote for Trudeau. So I, I think that to spin it that way really insults people's intelligence. Um, and I think a lot of people... I don't know if they believe it or if it does affect them or if you tell if you just keep repeating a lie then people accept it and i think we see that happening even as as ridiculous as that statement is people start to believe it and you know i i, I heard that repeated to me and I, I just keep trying to explain to them that that defies common sense it defies the uh the principle of non-contradiction which basically says you can't have something and something that isn't and that's exactly what that statement does and also what, what Anthony was saying, he was saying about compromising, you know, if, if a voter compromises on their conscience, don't be surprised if that politician 
compromises on you. And that's what we, we've seen in Canada happening all the time. I mean, people, the politicians compromise on whatever they believe will get them more votes rather than saying, what is the best thing for the country? Because politics really should be about what is the best thing for the people? Can we see it now? Like, um, you know, every dictator in history has been able to rationalize his uh, behaviors as moral and just. But when you, when you take something and when you have some, and they're, they're all well-intentioned. And so we have a lot of well-intentioned people right now who are trying to force something on us. And the only thing that protects someone who's well-intentioned from forcing on all of society what they think is best is freedom for all. Everybody has to be able to choose for themselves to be able to go forward. And, and that way you can't, you, you, can't, you can't divide each other because we all have a freedom to choose. But when you start dividing each other along these lines, then you create a, a, a situation where you have the cancel culture. You make someone's opinion illegal rather than saying, hey, let's discuss it. Let's compromise. Let's talk about, let's talk, let's not compromise the essence of who we are, but let's compromise on the issue. And I think a lot of the people in the PPC are not willing to compromise the essence of who they are, but they are willing to compromise on issues. And I think that's an important distinction because uh, that defines whether you have a person of principle or whether you have a person who's just an opportunist. So we'll leave it at that. No, that, that's a great answer, Peter. I think that that distinction you make uh, is very accurate and very important um, um, to make is that, you know, yeah, I don't think that our individual rights and freedoms are something that can be compromised or negotiated. But like you said, um, being able to to compromise or negotiate on on issues on an issue by issue basis, rather than you know just kind of like a blanket policy on whatever, um, I think I think is is the best way to go about things. But you're right. Uh, you had mentioned cancel culture, and you know dictators kind of saying or claiming that they're doing what's best for everybody. Um, once you take away the autonomy of the individual, you're not necessarily doing what's best for everybody. I think you're actually causing harm to a lot of people. Um, you know, one of the, one of the stark contrasts between, you know, conservatives and liberals or, you know, social conservatives, I guess uh, you would say would be, you know, the idea of individual responsibility versus um, the idea that, you're entitled to have the government take care of you or you need them to take care of you in terms of, you know, um, I mean, it was brought up in, in, in this election. I can't, couldn't, you know, couldn't believe it was like universal basic incomes and things like that. Um, why don't we differentiate for people here? And then I do have another question after this, but why don't we differentiate, you know, the, the setbacks of, of being reliant on the government versus, you know, being reliant on yourself. Like, you guys want to talk on that a little bit? Why don't, uh, why don't you go first, Peter, and then Anthony, you can chime in after that. Yeah, so, I, I mean, for me, the point of government is to create opportunity, not to perpetuate a dependence on handouts. I think if, you, if, if all you're doing is just giving out handouts to people, you're actually enslaving them to a system. But when you create opportunity and you get out of the way, then you create, then people have no limit. They're, they're unlimited in what they can achieve. And that's what government should do. Government should make, make a situation where every person can achieve the most they can. And some people really are going to be, need government support. And so government needs to be there for people because there are a lot of people who are, can't work for whatever reason. They don't have, they don't have any skills that the, the uh, society needs or maybe they just aren't interested in working. And so really they become a, 
they become a burden on society, but society is in, it's, abundant, it's incumbent upon government to still take care of them, but it's also incumbent upon government to create opportunities so that if the people want to, and they should be able to work, and they should be able to achieve the most they can, is by creating opportunity, creating the conditions for human flourishing, which is very different from creating a condition where everyone gets money. And when you talk about universal basic income, that's a way of killing a society in a real hurry because then there is absolutely no motivation to work. Everyone is going to be just, like in the communist countries, everyone just tried to extract the most from the system rather than giving back to their country, their skills, their efforts, uh, their resources, their abilities. All, then we have a situation where we're just trying to take, and there's only climbing within the system. There's no climbing outside of the system, so everyone becomes limited by the system. And we see that now, and that's very dangerous. We know that communism has never worked, and nor has a dictatorship ever worked in the history of humanity. It's never worked for the people. It's always worked for the people on top. But Stalin also, he was, the, he was a huge, I mean, everybody knows him to be a, one of the best dictators. And he even did not respect the adherence to his philosophy. He called them useful idiots. So even he did not respect, uh, did not respect them. And so that's why we need the freedom. People need to be able to choose. People need to be encouraged to achieve the most that they can, rather than to be limited by a system and universal basic income. So that's my answer. Thank you, Peter. Anthony, you want to take a shot? No, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. Um, a lot of people have this mentality, like, for instance, I've actually read the Communist Manifesto. We were assigned to read it in my um, my third year political science class. And it's a romantic piece of literature. And the reason why I say it's romantic is because when you read it on paper, it kind of sounds like it can work and that it'd be a good system. But the reality is when you put it into practice, it doesn't work. It never works for the people. We're seeing that in China now. I've seen it and witnessed it in Venezuela. Um, and of course, we know the examples of the Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc. The thing with socialist policies, the thing with communist policies is number one, uh, it removes in all individuality <clears throat> from every citizen. Um, you know, you as an individual do not matter as much as the state does. Uh, in addition to that, too, and this is this is something kind of you know philosophical, spiritual. It removes the essence of God as if there is no possibility that a higher being can actually exist and there's no possibility of, uh, of you know, in individuals being able to interact with this, um, with this higher deity, whatever, you know, uh, no, no matter what God or what religion they believe in. Uh, I, I find that socialist and communist policies tend to uh, replace God with government, you know, whereas, for instance, a person like myself. Uh, if there's something that I that I want, you know, if I think that I, I need to be stronger, I need to be more courageous, I need to be more patient, I will pray to God for those attributes. Whereas there is uh, a lot of people who think to themselves, oh, I don't need to be stronger, I don't need to be more courageous, I don't need to be wiser, um, because the government is going to be able to, to give me everything that I need. And that stints individual growth. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's not a good look. It is, you know... The state is able to progress, but the the individual is unable to grow as a person. Um, you know, as I was growing up uh, and studying our history, I realized that the purpose of government is to protect all of our rights and to make sure that we are all equal before the law. That's my interpretation of the way government is supposed to operate. 
I love the idea of a social safety net. I love the idea that an individual such as myself can put themselves out there, try to achieve something, you know, for instance, becoming entrepreneurial and, you know, hopefully it works out, but if it doesn't, I like the idea that I can rely on the government as that social safety net, you know, um, I have access to EI, I have access to, uh, to, uh, to government services to help me recuperate my losses. Um, what, you know, exactly what Peter's saying, exactly what you're saying, Sean, I do not like the idea of the government giving it to me. Um, because a, a lot of people don't know this. Governments cannot generate wealth. They can only take it from somebody else and redistribute it. So, um, yeah, when it comes to individuality versus collectivism, uh, that, that, that's the way I've always interpreted it. Government it exists so that, you know, to protect your ability to be an individual and to grow as an individual. It, it, they're not, it, it shouldn't be designed to, to be handouts uh, because then you aren't a government for the people. You're a government operating, you know, um, for the goodness of the government. And that only, uh, that only benefits top few. Thanks, Anthony. Yeah. I think, you know, Peter, um, you didn't, you did mention that, you know, and this is, this is one of the big misconceptions I think of, of conservatism is that, you know, people say, Oh, all conservatives think about is money. They don't care about people. And I, I saw, I heard that on this election from, you know, from people on the other side. However, you had, you had mentioned Peter, there are those that, that cannot work. They can't be part of the workforce for various reasons. And, you know, I think as conservatives, we do believe that we should help those that can't help themselves but it's also important to enable those and give people the tools they need to be successful for the ones who are able to do so. And I think that's, that's something that's really overlooked by the mainstream and, and by uh, opponents of conservatives, because they, they try to think that we, you know, we're all, all we care about is money and, and things like that. And it's not true. I think that, you know, good policy um, helps businesses, helps people get jobs when people get jobs they make money. And when you have money, you have better health outcomes and a better quality of life. Um, and when you're doing it on your own, you have that sense of purpose, like you touched on Anthony and you're not really, um, you know, enslaved by the government and, and put into that, that welfare trap where, you know, you're really kind of, um, you're not incentivized to go out to the workforce because you think, well, then I'm going to lose this benefit. I'm going to lose, you know, this monthly paycheck or whatnot when, you know, you can, you can kind of go out there and improve your skills and, and try to get a better paying job. It's, you know, it's all part of, of helping people reach um, their full potential, right? Peter, like you were saying, you don't want to be trapped within the system. Um, so thanks for that, guys, and your thoughts on, on that topic. Um, I wanted to go back, actually, um, a question I had written down before I forgot. Um, so we just, you know, finished off this election, gained a lot of support. I think uh, the PPC was very effective at using social media as one of their main ways to kind of get out to the voters. Um, you know, there's trolls out there that are going to come on and, and try to, you know, stir up the pot a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, the ones that are going to vote PPC are already going to kind of go and look for the look for the information on social media and, and connect that way. Um, but how do you think moving forward now and preparing for an, another election in, in the near future, likely, um, what ideas do you guys have to kind of reach, reach the voters out there, especially the ones that, you know, wanted to vote PPC, but didn't because they were scared of, of, you know, having a, a liberal majority. Um, wh what do we do moving forward? Peter, why don't you go ahead first? Okay. So, yeah, I, I think the big thing that, uh, sorry, is, uh, we need to persevere. 
we need to persevere in our policies because if if what we stand for is right today then it's going to be right 18 months from now and it's going to be right 10 years from now our policies are timeless our principles are timeless freedom fairness personal responsibility and respect these are things that never go out of style they're not a platform that needs we don't need to rework our platform every you know every time there's an election so a month before an election we rework our platform no it's because we we have what is right our policies will make life better for canadians and what we need to, i think we need to do is just continuing continue to persevere in our policies rather than trying to do the exact same thing that all the other parties do is water down their policies thinking they're going to get more voters we have to remain strong we have to remain true to what we believe rather than falling for the trap of of trying to water down our policy because we know that our structure of the ppc is different and i think that protects us as well because all the other parties they have an executive that pulls at them so you can get corrupted in that executive you can you also have um, they, they, they work with polls, so they, they try to base their, um, their policy based on polls. But when you base your pol policies based on what you know is right, and what you know will benefit people, benefit the most number of people, in fact, benefit everyone, our policies will benefit everyone. Um, and, and we just have to stay true to them rather than uh, flip-flopping, because eventually people will see that, you know what, like Aaron O'Toole flip-flopped three times in the, in the span of, you know, six weeks. On the vaccine passports so what kind of leader is that it's what's going to happen if we're tr if we're under attack by a foreign uh, government or what if we're will he flip-flop there as well or will will he, will he be a solid leader will he be able to get us through it or how about trudeau who really tries to say as little as possible and being more he's more about accusing people and accusing his opposition and accusing us of being anti-vax accusing us of being you know whatever throwing rocks at him or being having using naughty words at uh, protests, right? And this is somehow uh, something that's gonna help him. I think people will eventually see through that and they'll see that we're standing for principle. Yes, people have gotten angry. They've lost their businesses. Their, their schooling has been turned upside down. There's a reason that, uh, you know, there was so much passion. Now we gotta keep, continue with that passion, but also continue to reach the people who, who didn't wanna vote for us or just not interested. I mean, we, we take it for granted that everyone's really interested in politics and really as interested as, as us three here and the people that we surround ourselves with. But most most people, I bet you there's, you know, 20% of the people, 30% of the people who just don't even know who, who the prime minister and couldn't care less, right? So how do you engage those people? I don't know. Okay, fair answer, fair answer. Anthony? Um, you know, exactly what we're doing here, um, that's how we overcome like that's how we prepare not so we can get our message out to the people. Um, I've come to the conclusion that the Trudeau subsidized media will always be biased against the PPC as well as Patriots. They will always try to skew our message to fit their narrative. Um, I think it's immoral the way that they operate because they, um, you know, they, they are willfully uh, disenfranchising, um, you know, thousands of people. Um, so I think that the only real way to, to get our message across is to continue growing on social media and to continue, you know, exactly what we're doing here, having this podcast. If you take a look at my social media, I actually have more followers on Instagram than all my rival candidates, right? Um, which is a great start. You know, it's, it, we're able to build a foundation off of that, but we need to do more to, to reach out. Um, what Peter's saying in regards to polls, 
um, a lot of, you know, all the other political parties, the conservatives, the liberals, and the NDP will rely on polling to stay popular with the mainstream media. They end up compromising their, their morals to do so, you know, in exchange for outreach, they are losing their message. One thing I made clear on this campaign trail, you know, uh, for the viewers at home that aren't PPC um, sympathizers, I want you to really think about this. The Liberal Party is not the party of the classical liberals. Um, the NDP is not the party of the workers that you grew up with. And the Conservative Party isn't the principal conservative party. It's not the, par the party of Diefenbaker. It's not the party of Harper. They have compromised their values so much to fit these polls and to get themselves coverage on the mainstream media that they no longer represent what we grew up with. Um, in addition to that, too, um, the difference between Canada and the United States is that Canada does not have a Trump. Donald Trump was a cultural icon. You know, people like Mac Miller were writing songs about him. He was an economic icon. People in Manhattan and all over Central Park, you know, recognized that Donald Trump, you know, the, the impact that he had on the city, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be there forever. Um, and then he became a political icon. The PPC didn't have that. Maxime Bernier is by far the most qualified politician um, uh, to be a federal leader, but he isn't the cultural icon that we need in order to push through into the mainstream. So um, it, it's going to be difficult for us Canadians uh, to, to really fight back against this establishment. Um, it's going to be a grassroots effort and, you know, it, it's it's more difficult and it's a lot more work to be that type of grassroots party but that's what we need to continue doing and the best way to do that like i said is just to set up broadcasts like this one where we can circumvent mainstream media to get our point across and to continue pushing on social media to grow our follower base uh hopefully that leads to more support in the next election thanks anthony yeah i certainly think that you know podcasting has been referred to as the new media and it's it's you know it's still growing as as a medium um to get news out there it's, it's a very competitive um market if you will i guess i mean anybody can podcast it doesn't take much but uh yeah it's very hard to get your show out there so i think you know one of the best ways is to share it by word of mouth and, and get it out there and, and you know utilize social media and things like that um, i wish i was a social media whiz but <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not at all. Um, but yeah, Peter, did you have anything to add on to that? Well, I just, um, you know, the, one of my uh, favorite books has become uh, one of my favorite books lately is uh, George Orwell's 1984. And one of the uh, quotes that he says in that book is that people believe what the media tells them to believe, right? And right now we have such control of the media by the liberal government that it's going to get, it's going to be difficult to break out of that. Uh, but thankfully we do have you know, the, um, the podcast like this, we have social media, but still there's so much um, influence by the mainstream media of people that it's going to be very hard to break out of that. Uh, and then we, but we need to, because that is the one thing that can hold a, uh, a corrupt government accountable is an independent media. And there's just, there's so much out there right now that media and they see the mainstream media. Yeah, and we have a long way to go as Canadians. I mean, um, me personally, I love following the pundits in the United States, for instance, Candace Owens, I love following her, Aubrey Hoff, uh, Mike Cernovich, just to name a few. 
And if you look at the traction that some of those non-mainstream media outlets are getting, outlets like Newsmax, outlets like um, One American News Network, outlets like The Daily Wire, uh, we're getting to the point where it is rivaling, you know, MSNBC and, uh, and, and CNN and ABC and CBS broadcasts. Um, we, in Canada, we have a long way to go before we get to that point where we have that alternative media source to account to the mainstream media and, you know, us in their control on the Canadian people. Um, but it, like I said, it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of diligence in order to continue to grow our networks. Um, that's, that's what I think our goal should be to set up and establish, you know, reputable networks across all platforms. Uh, and, and a key thing to doing that too, utilizing social media, utilizing the internet that we haven't touched on is every time we divert people's attention to a podcast or to, uh, to YouTube, for instance, that's uh, less viewership that people are getting on Rogers media channels and Bell media channels. Um, and I, I think that's huge because that, you know, that affects their, their, their advertising budget and that affects um, that, that affects the outreach or the, you know, the, yeah, it affects the outreach um, and power that they have in swaying public opinion. Um, I think that Canadians really need to think about um, what they're watching, who it's stemming from. The most powerful thing that we can do is vote with our dollar. Um, so yeah, every second they're listening to conversations like this, they aren't listening to uh, to to corporate media or Trudeau subsidized media, and that's important. Yeah, good point, Anthony. It certainly is a a large mountain to climb, and I think you know, I, I'm going to say this right now for anybody who's listening who 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 thinks that you know when you're watching the news, you're getting all the facts and um you know you're getting the truth and it's certainly not the point the the media and the mainstream media their job is to get viewers you know to get people to click on their websites um it's and and to sell advertising that's their primary focus and you know there was a great great podcast joe rogan podcast he's had people who you know were big media moguls who's been on the show and they said that that's exactly what their what their prime objective was and you know i think that you mentioned Donald Trump, Anthony, and, you know, back in 2016, when he was running and became president of the United States, he really shed a lot of light on the bias in the media. Um, and, and for me, personally, that's kind of what opened up my eyes to that. I mean, you know, I speak a lot with my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, and, and back in their day when they were younger, you know, the news used to be a report of the facts, and the viewer would be able to make up their mind. Now, you're given a narrative and you're kind of told what to think by the media. And if you're not wise to what they're doing to you, you're very easily manipulated by thinking, well, this is the truth and it's on the news and, you know, this is what I have to believe now. And it's certainly not the case. So yeah, really thankful to be able to have the ability to, um, you know, to do podcasts like this and, and do channels on YouTube and things like that to kind of get out truth and messages. And I think, again, it falls down to individual responsibility to go out there and look for, look for other news sources and look at both sides of the story really. Right. And, and make up your own mind at the end of the day. Um, guys, let me ask you, I want to, I want to talk about the prime minister right now, man. He's been, he's been in since 2015 and, you know, we talked about cancel culture earlier and for some reason, cancel culture seems to ignore Justin Trudeau. Um, he's had so many scandals um, you know, from, from the Wii scandal with all this financial stuff, SNC Lavalin, who's again, back on the news, 
Um, we've had not one, but maybe two or three blackface photos that came up of him. He's had sexual harassment claims against him. Um, you know, I don't even think I need to come up with any more examples than that. But, um, you know, when you look at a, a celebrity like uh, Gina Carano, who was on um, the Disney show, The Mandalorian, who got canceled um, for putting her pronouns as beep bop boop on her Twitter account. <laughs> she got fired from Disney and, you know, um, I think it was um, Ben Shapiro's uh, outlet has made a contract with her and they're going to do some, some uh, movies with her now. And, but, you know, why is it, do you think that Justin Trudeau has, has been unaffected or has been able to kind of, you know, sidestep each scandal that comes his way? Anthony, why don't you go first and then Peter, you can chime in on this one. Um, it's simple. Trudeau subsidizes the media. Ding, 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 ding. That's all it is. Um, the media, these lefty liberal politicians, they do not care about uh, free speech. They do not care about uh, the facts. They want to censor the facts. Um, they, they, they aren't principled. If they were, uh, the principle of my body, my choice would apply to vaccines. But um, they, they don't want they don't want that message to get out there. Cancel culture is a form of censorship. And the reason why Trudeau never gets canceled is because he doesn't want his voice censored. He wants voices like us three censored. That, that's what it comes down to. Peter, I'm, I'm sure you could agree with that. I don't know what you think, but. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. I mean, also, he's got really nice hair. Right? <laughs> so that, that goes a long way. Obviously, everybody, no one with nice hair like him would lie. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's maddening that, um, you know, his message gets out there, even though he doesn't say anything, he's just saying how bad everyone else is, how bad these, uh, the people, you see people who, who's all they want to do is just swear at him and throw pebbles at him. But meanwhile, you, you know, he's, he's all the, uh, Sean, all the, all the, those scandals that you talked about, they just ignore. And yeah, it, it helps when you own the media or when you buy them out, um, you know, they're not willing to stand up against them because uh, they may lose some of their funding. So it's very dangerous. There you go. I guess and it comes... Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I just want to say, too, for, for everybody that's listening to this and who's skeptical of what me and Peter have to say, think about it very clearly. Do you think Justin Trudeau never swears? I'm sorry. We're a Canadian. We've all played hockey. We've all been in a locker room. We've all been on the ice. Everybody in this country swears at some point or another do i think it's ugly i do think it's ugly but we all do it it is a human trait if you really think that these wannabe puritans aren't cursing behind closed doors i'm sorry but i got a bridge to sell you because it's it's not the case it is a human attribute to swear uh to to, to say things that aren't politically correct sometimes and sometimes they need to be said because number one it voices frustration it voices your emotions uh, and, and number two, um, you know, it's it, it, sticks and stones cannot break your bones. You know, if somebody says uh, something rude to me, yeah, you know, I like to think that I can rise above whatever hate they're throwing my way. Um, Trudeau doesn't have that mentality because he's a weak person. So the only way that he can rise above people is by pushing them down. And that's why he'll continue to censor and continue, continue to cancel whatever opinion he doesn't like. Good thoughts, Anthony. And uh, yeah, I certainly agree with you on that one. Having watched numerous videos of Trudeau um, talk down to people who question him, talk down to, to Canadians, um, he, he just comes off as a very 
arrogant individual. Um, you know, so it's just, it's just one of those things. Um, all right. So Anthony, you know, here, here in the Dufferin Caledon riding, um, I believe you had a very good campaign. Like Peter had mentioned earlier, you know, the base of the PPC is very passionate, um, a lot of energy, um, and, and, and very strong in, in their principles. Um, what's your step moving forward now? Um, are you going to, you're going to carry on as a candidate in the next riding? Um, what are you going to be doing now to carry on your, your fight for freedom? Because that's how you kind of got all in, into this anyways, right? Was to, to, uh, protest, you know, certain measures that are taking away our individual, individual rights and stuff. So what's your plan moving forward? Um, there's, there's a lot that I want to do moving forward. First of all, I want to debrief and re-strategize with my volunteers, with my supporters. So information on when we're going to be meeting up is going to be coming soon. Um, I also invite the opportunity to be primaried. I want to give the people of Dufferin Caledon a chance to, uh, you know, to hold me accountable. I think that's important. Um, how I'm going to continue on um, with my activism? I'm going to continue. Uh, I'm going to continue with Xamarin Live. I'm going to continue reporting on uh, the freedom movement as it develops throughout the GTA and throughout Ontario. Um, I'm going to work to legitimize it as well, actually turn it into a business. Uh, personally speaking, I plan on writing the LSAT uh, in the coming months. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I want to grow as a person. I want this freedom movement, especially in Dufferin Caledon, to continue to develop. Um, I want to continue to empower people to stand up for themselves. Uh, if you take a look at my Instagram bio, I just changed it. And I want to make this very clear for everybody at home. No politician is ever going to save you. I, I'm going to continue fighting for my community. I believe that the government should work for the people. It shouldn't be the other way around. However, as individuals, we all have it within ourselves to stand up for what we believe in. Uh, each of us has a counselor, a mayor, an PP, and an MP to hold to account. So we should all be doing that on our own time. And I just want to make sure people get that. Uh, and all the while, I'm going to continue developing this campaign, continue to acquire volunteers, continue to reach out to like-minded patriots in Dufferin Caledon. Um, because the reality is, you know, we already know that Justin Trudeau might be calling another election in 18 months. In addition to that, we're set to have another provincial election in June 2022. Um, I want to make sure that we are as ready as possible for that campaign. And I also want to make sure that people are ready when the municipal elections come around, that we get some patriots, um, you know, organized for that as well. So, there, you know, that's uh, a long-winded answer. There's a lot of things that I want to be able to accomplish moving forward. Um, but at the end of the day, I just, I do not ever anticipate taking my foot off the gas pedal. Awesome, Anthony. You got you to keep that momentum going. And, you know, we've been talking about the purple wave and, and keep it growing. And I love that you're, you're thinking on, on all levels of government here from municipal all the way up to the federal, federal level. So that's a great thing to do, man. And um, Peter, you know, we're only, it's four days post-election. Um, have you put much thought into where you're going to steer your ship in, in uh, Niagara Falls riding? Yeah, so we're, we're meeting today. We've got, uh, we're meeting with the volunteers. We're trying to re we uh, reconnect while everything's still fresh in our head. What went well? What, what didn't? What do we need to change? What can we do better? So we're doing that today. We're going to have a bit of a debrief, a little bit of, um, you know, brainstorming. But I think, too, I think the reason we're here, the reason we're 
first because we never fought for our rights from the beginning. We just said, you know, we, we started wearing the mask and we just started going along with that because it was, let's just be nice, let's not the boat. We'll, you know, it'll be over a week. And the first, second, third block, one day, get the vaccines will be will be home we're not even talking about giving them freedoms back percent and the two uh two-thirds of it is closed off so there's no plan now or interested in doing is getting us to continue to comply are you guys still you're kind of breaking up but i i am picking up um i can hear you you're just kind of broken can you hear me now yeah i can hear you because i was you, you froze there on the screen, so I wasn't sure if I was still. Uh, still yeah, there, still you there. sounded like a kind of like a broken drive-through uh, um, <laughs> voice box there. But um, you you can go ahead and say what you want. But I think what I what I did pick up was that you know as far as as far as your area goes in your campaign, you're going to regroup with your volunteers, kind of kind of do a debrief, talk about what you learned, ways to improve, which I think is is a very smart thing to do. And then you kind of touched upon. Um, you know, compliance um, with everything. And like you said, going back to the beginning of the COVID um, outbreak in Canada was that, you know, it was two weeks to flatten the curve. So we all kind of rolled up our sleeves and said, okay, let's do this. And then the goalposts were moved on us. And then two weeks turned into three months and, and so on and so forth, in and out of lockdowns. And then there was the masks. Um, don't wear masks. Okay, now you have to wear masks. You can wear, you know, all these different types of things. And you know, that change, the goalpost kept moving. And then, like you said, as time goes on, you can, if you lay it down on, on a timeline, you can see how each policy measure COVID restriction has increased in its severity and infringed more and more upon our personal lives to the point where now we're having to show proof of vaccination to go sit down at restaurants and other businesses. And I've already heard people talking on the radio about we should have this passport in more places. Let's put it in churches. Let's put passports in place to even get into the mall. So they already want to try to increase those restrictions on us. And, you know, Daryl Mackey was the or is the PPC uh, candidate in Oshawa riding. And he was arrested two days ago for, for drinking a coffee in Tim Hortons. And from what I understand, they arrested him under trespass act, but I don't know how he was trespassing as he was a paying customer um, from what it sounded like is because he didn't want to disclose his private medical information, they ended up arresting him. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at right now with all of these COVID restrictions. So, you know, the scary thing is, is what next? Yeah, no, um, Daryl, I mean, he's, he's a patriot and he's, uh, he's really standing up and I'm grateful to him for standing up for that because otherwise who else would do that? They would all, no one would be, would be doing this. So thank, thankfully he's, he's got the courage to do that. I'm grateful to him and we all have to start doing that. Everyone who believes in this has to start doing that now because we know they have no plan of getting our freedoms back. There's no plan to flatten the curve. There's no plan. There's plan to flatten our rights and our flatten our uh, our spirit. We can't allow that. We have to continue to say no. We're not going to do that. We have to stop wearing the masks. The masks actually, in, in one way, it's sure it exposes us as being, you know, supposedly and unvaxxed. Uh, but we have to do that now because. We cannot segregate each other based on vaccination status, on religion. I mean, 
if, if we were asked to segregate, you know, say Jews into another part of us, uh, we would be fighting against that as well. So we believe that it's, it's wrong, whether it's a religion, a color, a vaccination status, a personal choice, we have to just allow me to all I think we might have finally lost Peter. Yeah, this connection is starting to get a little flaky. Anthony, you just want to add on to that real quick? Yeah. Um, one thing I want to call out, I just think it's so ironic that the people who are rushing to segregate people are the ones that, uh, you know, that often talk about diversity and inclusivity. Um, what is happening now in Ontario, in Canada with these vaccine passports? I'm sorry, it's no different to Jim Crow. Uh, it's no different to 1930s Germany. We're not at the Holocaust yet, but we are certainly in 1930s Germany where the Nazis, um, a lot of people forget that the Nazis instituted uh, laws basically banning Jews from entering public establishments, banning Jews from marrying non-Jews, banning Jews from owning property, from owning businesses, banning Jews from entering public places. Look where we are now. Unvaccinated people cannot enter certain public places. And then you have champion superstar politicians like Andrea Horwath who are saying we need to expand on the segregation. It is absolutely immoral to be segregating anyone based on any grounds. Um, I always revert back to Martin Luther King who said, you know, I have a dream where, you know, my children can grow up in a society where they're not judged based on the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Um, that's the way life is supposed to be. That's the way we're supposed to be judging people based on the content of their character, nothing else. Uh, to everybody who's preaching diversity and inclusivity, um, you know, and, and still going along with this vaccine segregation, we, you've identified yourselves. We all know that if you were living in Jim Crow era, uh, the Jim Crow era, your morals would have led to you, um, your, your morals would have led to you segregating against uh, non-whites. If, if you were alive in 1930s Germany, we know that your morals would have led to you segregating the Jewish population. So um, the jig is up. We, 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 we know who uh, the discriminatory people are. And guess what? It, it's not us three speaking on this podcast right now. Like, uh, like Peter said, you know, if, uh, if our government was asking us to segregate Jews, we would be fighting against that too. If our society was asking for us to segregate Muslims, we'd be fighting against that too. And that's why I'm so passionate and so enthusiastic about being a member of the, the People's Party of Canada, because I go to bed at night knowing that I'm on the right side of history. So I like to have fun with that. Well said, Anthony. Thanks so much, man. Um, Peter, Terrace, Anthony Zambito, guys, thanks so much for joining me today here on the People's Podcast yet again. Uh, Peter, we'll have to get you back on the show. Really enjoyed speaking with you and, um, you know, had a few connection issues here and there, but that's okay. We got the gist of everything. And um, yeah, guys, listen, we're going we're gonna to end it here. We'll get this show up for everybody to listen to. And um, Peter, I've got you on Instagram. And if you have any other social media um, account just send them my way i'm going to link it all to the show notes and uh we'll go from there guys i wish you all the best and uh keep 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 the momentum going all right thanks it was a real pleasure sean thanks so much likewise always a pleasure sean thank you for doing this if you'd like to reach out to anthony 
You can email votezambitoppc at gmail.com. You can follow along on Facebook at Vote PPC Candidate Anthony Zambito to be Dufferin Kaladin's MP. And you can also follow on Instagram at Zammer Live. You can see all those links in the show notes. Until next time. <laughs>